A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Is this like... Am I close enough? Is this good? Yeah, it sounds good to me. <laughs> Everybody give a check, check, check one, two. Check, check, check one, check two. Trip. Fun. <sighs> oh my God. <laughs> I cannot wait. Also, I don't know if you know, wow. but the episodes, Jack will be performing a song for you right now. Yeah, I just, <laughs> um, <laughs> I like to do little intros for the movies. Oh my God, I'm so upset. Set it up for people. It's very classy. <laughs> uh, Jack. Wait, is it in the artfully theme Artfully done. You'll see. No. <laughs> okay, I can't wait. Whatever it is, I can't wait. I think Sofia Coppola would maybe approve. Okay. <clears throat> what are you doing here, honey? You're not even old enough to know how bad life gets. Obviously, Doctor. You've never been a 13-year-old girl. Everyone dates the demise of our neighborhood from the suicides of the Lisbon girls. Even then, as teenagers, we tried to put the pieces together. Sofia! Coppola was looking for ideas. Then she read a book in Mamma Mia. Thought the story was so very moving. Gotta try and make it to a movie. She wanted to. Get her dad to buy the rights and make it. She wanted to. But they wouldn't sell it, it was taken. She wanted to. Then she wrote a script and they said take it. Sophia Coppola went and shot the virgin suicides. It's God. Dreamy nostalgia vibes. Let's talk. The virgin suicide here on Cinema Possessed Pod. So much has been said about the girls over the years, but we have never found an answer. Jeff Eugenides, author of the novel, thinks Sophia did a fine job adapting it to a script, adapting it in her style, adapting it into her first feature film. So come, let's talk the virgin suicide. 
Sublime. <laughs> Actually, that was System of a Down. I am Welcome, everybody, to the Cinema Possessed <laughs> Podcast. My name is Jack Bishop, and with me, as always, is the only reliable girl who ever got to know this podcast, Corey Clifford. <gasps> You're kind of the Trip Fontaine of this oh my podcast. Love. Thank you. What an honor. And each week we take a close look at one film in our combined DVD and Blu-ray collections and discuss what it was about it that originally possessed us to want to possess it. We'll debate whether or not the film still holds that power over us today. And in the end, we'll decide once and for all if it deserves to keep its place on the shelf or be burned up in the fireplace like a vinyl kiss oh, record. That part really got me. I felt sad. Did your parents ever make you burn any CDs? Oh my CDs? god, never. <laughs> never. My dad was like, please listen to this. Like, I'm cool. I like yeah. Ozzy Osbourne. I didn't have any issues with that either, but my brother very much did. Oh yeah. Your so he was kind was of a, a bad, bad boy, boy and he had he had bad CDs, according to my parents. It was definitely a few times where they went into his room and sort of raided it of the filth that was in there. And one of them I remember was... Um, did you ever listen to Tool? <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> well, he sure did. And by proxy, I, I did too. Uh, but he had a Tool CD where uh, when you opened it up, printed on the CD image itself was a man sucking his own dick. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I remember my friend Katie had a Tool shirt and I always thought, yeah, she's more hardcore than me. Katie knows what I'm talking about for sure. <laughs> she for sure had Anima, I believe was what the, the album was. <laughs> Well, how I mean, this is like so everybody talks about this now, but like, how did rumors like being able to suck your own dick get passed through like middle school and high school? Well, you know, when people we didn't can have social media. It's not necessarily a yeah, rumor. Yeah, but I guess that it's physically possible, oh, depending on the well, size guess, of your I mean, penis guess, and your I flexibility. Guess the rumor that Marilyn Manson had his rib removed. That's to suck a his rumor own dick. for sure. I don't. I don't know. Maybe like, it was Marilyn Manson happen? on the Tool album. They were probably friends. They were in that alt metal universe. Speaking of alt metal, the only the closest it came was um, when Limp Biscuit came out with Significant Other, the one that had Nookie on it. Uh-huh. I did it all for the Nookie. Well, your grandma made you give exactly. That up. Yeah. I tried to buy it at Walmart with my grandma, and she was like, "Okay, sure." And then as we were walking to the line, she just decided to sort of flip it over and take a look at the track listing on the back, and she goes, "Nookie." No, 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 no. You're not getting this. And so I was not able to squeeze that one by my grandma. But speaking of CDs, I think the audience wants to see who these guests are. (laughs) Nice try. Did not work, but we'll give it to you. Gord, you want to do the honors? Oh, I would love to do the honors, you guys. We got a special one today. We got a special (laughs) guest today. I wrote a little thing that, you know, I stole off of IMDb a lot of this information because... She's got one of those guys. Look her up. Yes. Our guest today is an incredibly talented writer, director, actrice, and Sundance fellow. That's right, you guys. We got a fancy person on the pod today. (laughs) 
This woman has made so many cool things that you can watch, including her award-winning series, Om City, her hilarious short, which besides being in like a million festivals, was also Vimeo's short of the week, Too Long at the Fair, and her beautiful, heartwarming, critically acclaimed, award-winning feature film debut, Sophie Jones, was released by Oscilloscope Laboratories in 2021 and is currently streaming on Showtime. She is in development for several super exciting, cool things that are coming this year, and she's constantly writing, acting, studying, and truly inspiring the hell out of me. It is our honor today to have the one, the only, Jesse Ball. Oh my God, what an intro. It's amazing. <laughs> Who's that? Who's that person? This cool girl right here. We've been talking about having Jesse on the show for a long time. We've also separately been talking about doing this movie for a long time, oh and it just so happens to turn out this is one of your favorite movies. I am so thrilled when, when I saw that text come in. I was like, no one else can do this but me. <laughs> no one else. Like, I was so, honestly, I'm honored. Listeners can't see this, but she's actually wearing a Virgin Suicides t-shirt right now. It's a collab that's Vigo did. <laughs> it's a collab. Push his glasses up nose. It's a collab that Vigo did with Uniqlo, and it was very Swift and I am uh, obsessed. So Uniqlo. I had to get it. I never think of Uniqlo to go for like graphic tees. I know. I think of it for like winter wear. Totally. But they, they got them. They do it all, Jack. They do they it do. all. That's what makes it so cool. Well, what y'all can't see is that I'm wearing um, a pair of panties with Josh Hartnett's name <laughs> written on it. Oh, I think all of us are. You know what? Uh, not to uh, yeah, expose too much, but yeah. <laughs> Well, let's not leave the audience hanging. Corey, tell the people what movie we are talking about today. We are talking about Sofia Coppola's 1999 romance mystery, The Virgin Suicides. What we have here is a dreamer, someone completely out of touch with reality. I'm going to ask you out. Bad chance. Lux, please put your shit on this instant. Are you up? Uh... Aviation enthusiast? I don't know if I'd call myself an enthusiast, but... Uh... <laughs> Do you like to wrestle? <clears throat> he made her laugh. My intentions for your daughter are entirely honorable. What might those intentions be? So much has been said about the girls over the years. Those girls have a bright future ahead of them. But we have never found an answer. Her act was a cry for help. I heard it was an accident. Even then, as teenagers, we tried to put the pieces together. We still can't. We got a full tank of gas. We'll take you anywhere you want to go. About time. We've been waiting for you guys. You're not even old enough to know how bad life gets. Obviously, Doctor. You've never been a 13-year-old girl. Four sisters put their own lives in jeopardy. They'll all be gone by next year. We would never be sure about the sequence of events. We argue about it still. That last song oh is a song that I feel like I only ever heard in trailers in the 90s. I have no clue who does that song or mm. where. It does not fit this movie's vibe, I'll it's, say it, It's, it's a the little trailer too, trying to make it seem like a thriller. scary. Yeah. It's too modern, too. Yeah. I mean, this is a period movie that's set in the 70s, mm. and even the, the, the score by Air has that sort of 70s Nostalgia, retro yeah. influence yeah. to it. That last piece in the trailer is just like way too, like, <laughs> trip hop like <laughs> something you'd hear it like on the beach while you were on spring break totally <laughs> oh, the soundtrack's so iconic oh my god the, yeah. for my first note is the second that the music starts playing oh, yeah. at the beginning of this movie it literally transports my body mm. 
back to being, you know, 13 years old seeing this movie. Yeah, do y'all remember the first time you saw this film? So clearly, so clearly in my head. The movie Pearl Harbor had just <gasps> yes. come out. And I saw Pearl Harbor in the theater three times. Oh my God. Because I, it spawned a obsession in me for Josh Hartnett that like, mm-hmm. I really... You and the whole world, honestly. Oh my God, I know, I know. But I like, it. it like, I can feel it in my body when I think about it, like how painfully obsessed I was with him, like where it actually like hurt. You were in love. I was like, you were feeling love. And so my friend Sarah and I, I'll never forget. We, we had a whole weekend where we went to family video and we rented every single Josh Hartnett movie that the we faculty? could find. The faculty? This is how I watched. The faculty was before this, right? Yes. yes. Yeah. Okay, that's how. Which is crazy. That was my intro to him. Because he looks older in the faculty than he does Well, I'm pretty suicide. sure, I tried to kind of pin this down, watching like all the behind the scenes stuff and doing research. I'm pretty sure he filmed this movie first. first but oh, and then okay. came out. Faculty yeah, yeah, yeah. and. Because he has a little less baby fat. He was also mm-hmm. in Halloween H2O, which yeah. both of those came out before oh, this movie. I know. Mm. So these are, so because of Josh Hartnett is how I ever watched my first horror movies. I mean, maybe I guess I had seen some like classic ones as yeah. like when I was a little younger. But he was your intro. But yeah, yeah like the faculty and Halloween H2O. Mm-hmm. We rented those. We rented Virgin Suicides. I guess I don't know if 40 Days and 40 Nights had come <gasps> no, out. Yet. I don't know. Jeff, I think that was later. But it was I definitely, definitely later. But oh my God, I was obsessed orchid, with that. Oh, the, orchid. the orchid sex scene <laughs> is like, imprinted <laughs> in my brain. <laughs> so I remember that weekend watching Virgin Suicides and like, uh, th- thanks to Josh Hartnett, I watched horror movies and artsy movies. Like, yeah. I, it got me into this genre because then I got really into like, Igby goes down. Oh and my like, god! Yes, the dangerous lives of altar boys. Like yeah. this yes! kind of was my gateway into all of those type of movies. Oh my god! Mm-hmm. The dangerous lives of the altar boys. Oh my god! Talk totally. about another obsession I had. He's I maybe canceled. I don't know, but I was really obsessed with the Mueller. <laughs> <laughs> um, so good. So was that good. also um, based on a, a novel? Uh, I th- it was a graphic novel. novel. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm but trying yeah. to remember if it was Josh Hartnett that got me into it, but like. I mean, I did share the Josh Hartnett obsession. I I think I told you this, Corey. I had a shoebox. This makes me sound unhinged. Oh, like, okay. It's okay. We were like 13. Okay, uh-huh. whatever. So, and I would like cut out pictures of his face in things and like had them in a shoebox. And then I would like open the shoebox and look at it and like dream yes. about it. I didn't know him yeah. being in love with me. I, would, like, I had pictures of him on my wall that I would make out with. Yeah, it's really. I used to fantasize about that mole on his neck. Oh my God. <laughs> well, okay. This is the what I feel like the the film captures so incredibly oh, yes. is the like obsessional um dreamlike fan- almost like phantasmagorical quality of when you're that age and you're so in love yes. yes and i know a lot of it is from the perspective of the boys that are dreaming about the um sisters and like imagining but also like their obsessions and yes. their yeah. you know complete just infatuation Absolutely. and it captures it with such like nuance and authenticity and like Oh, oh my gosh! gosh. Well, like, it's like a makeout th- scene in the car. Incredible! I went crazy written, on you. I have notes Girl. written about that scene once we get there, and and the her writing the boy's name that she likes in their underwear. Mm. Like I did shit like that. I had a diary. <laughs> I had a diary that I like my first love. This is when I was like in 
fifth grade. So I was boy crazy from a very young age. Totally. And maybe I've even talked about him on the pod, but I was obsessed with this guy named Brandon Taylor. <laughs> oh my God, great And name. at the end of every single diary entry, I would write, I love Brandon Taylor. And then I, at one point, I like remember this happening too. I had like a scab and I picked it and I put my the blood, blood <laughs> in my diary and I circled it and I said, this is the blood that proves how much I love Brandon Taylor. <laughs> like cuckoo. <laughs> like, how did you even know? I, I mean, like, know. where do you get that image know. from? Where do you you just knew about like self-sacrifice yeah. and yeah. like yes. I don't know? And you're like 12. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> totally. Yeah, this movie really captures that feeling of like you said you were in you described basically being in love with Josh Hartnett. Yeah. You never met the man. You only know him from movies and magazines and of things course. like that. This movie is so much about the love that these boys think they have for totally. these girls. But I think that's what I love also about the movie and why it's still so iconic to me and like still one of my favorite films of all time is it didn't talk down to young oh, yeah. people, Absolutely. not just young girls, but like it was the first film I think I saw as a young person that like took me seriously, yeah, took my desire seriously, uh-huh. took my sadness seriously, took my eroticism seriously. Yeah. Because so many of the, you know, the, tween teen movies are like cheesy and exactly. you know superficial and like they talk down to you like you're dumb but this was like it really felt like it honored all that messy fucked up insanity yeah. <laughs> and it still that, felt like, like it was for you yes, as a teenager too yeah. like there are a lot of movies that are about teenagers but they kind of feel like they're made for adults mm, this mm. movie had the weight of an adult movie mm-hmm. but also when you watch it as a teenager you're like this is for me you know, because of the style and the aesthetic and the totally. music and just the point of view. Like kids kind of feels like a mm. teenage movie for adults Absolutely. to be like, yeah, this is yeah. what your kids are doing while you're right. not looking. Right, right. This movie doesn't feel that way at all. This is very much like I'm speaking to you, the girl in your bedroom and the boy in your bedroom, too. I yeah. also read the book this week, uh, too. I'd never read the book before. I listened to it on Audible. Did you read the short story? Because it started as a short story in the Paris no. Review. I'll no. send it to you. It's a section Ooh. of the book. Yeah. And it did so well. It's basically that section was Cecilia, where she's like, well, doctor, you've never been a 13-year-old girl. Mm -hmm. Like that, it starts with her attempted suicide. And then I think it did really well. And Jeffrey was like, maybe there's something here. And then that became a novel. The novel, yeah. But I'm sorry to interrupt, but I'll- Listening to the book, it feels- the book feels very male point of view. Mm. You know, it feels very much from the boys because the whole narration is, you know, we were watching the girls, we were discovering all these things. In my mind, this movie always felt very feminine. Mm-hmm. And rewatching it again, it almost has like an androgynous point of view because Sophia Coppola is taking what the book is giving, which is a very male perspective of what's going on, but she somehow finds a way to imbue it with just as much femininity and just as much point of view from the girls that the overall... you know, we're talking about scrapbooks mm-hmm. and and collaging all mm-hmm. the, you know, you have the shoebox full of Josh Hartnett. This movie feels like a scrapbook. Totally. You know, it's it like has... a Tumblr account. Before. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Or a Pinterest board yeah, or yeah. something. Yeah. And and it adds to this sort of ambiguous point of view that the movie is constantly sort of floating through. Everybody kind of feels like a ghost mm. in this movie. I love that because I also think it's sort it's a memory too, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. It's like a haunting. So oh. it's like a love story, but it's a, it's a ghost story too. And right? fantasy. There's plenty of sequences totally. too where you're like, this is a fantasy sequence. This is in somebody's brain, whether it's in the guy's brain right. or the girl's brain. There's a unicorn that pops up. <laughs> in one of the, the dissolve. <laughs> I think that's what's so masterful about it because it does. It is yes through the 
the boys VO mm-hmm. and through um, Giovanni Ribisi, which, oh God, his voice too, like the texture oh. of oh his voice. It's, it's just so perfect. It feels like fairy tale storybook uh-huh. and yet also really like, like not gritty, but very tactile and like yeah. grounded at the yeah. same time. I just, how she masterfully balances tone in this to yeah. me is still mind blowing. Yeah. And it's her first. It's insane. Yeah. How old was she when she made this movie? 27. Wow. I know it's wow. crazy. Yeah, but I also love that she had, cause I was watching um, her mom, Eleanor made a behind the scenes, like a short about mm-hmm. the making of this movie. And I love how much like, yeah, her dad, you know, whatever, her dad yeah. came on set for a little bit, but like, but <laughs> Nepo she, and, baby. No, but, but like, she, but there's so many Nepo babies that are bad. Yeah, like, oh no, she is still such an artist uh, in her own right. Like yes. he didn't direct this for her. Like no. she wrote the script, which Absolutely. is stunning. Yeah. Um, I love but her. I love how she had so much family around. Like her cousin, I saw mm-hmm. like helped coach like the young actors mm-hmm. or people that hadn't acted before. Her brother one, was second unit. Her director. brother, and one of her cousins yeah. is in the movie too. Totally. So oh, like Robert, I love that. Um, I who feel I was like also you, obsessed with. Oh my god! So Rooney, oh, wait, wait. <gasps> wait, the scene with, Rooney, and the scene with Kathleen Turner when he's like trying to seduce <laughs> I, you her. You know, I love. And then he juice. holds the cup of punch, <laughs> super awkward, in his claw hand, and he like drinks it at her. I'm like, this guy is. <laughs> Incredible. Yeah. Like, it's Incredible. an immaculate <laughs> But I feel like the energy of like the family that was with her to make the film, yeah. I feel like that energy transpired. Yeah. And yeah. like you can feel the energy of making the film in the film. Mm-hmm. <gasps> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I don't give a shit about Nepo baby situations to be like people make a lot of stink about like, oh, they they come. It's nepotism that they got their job for the most part. You know, there's plenty of circumstances in this industry where somebody gets a job because of who their parents are and they kind of suck. In a lot of industries, though, too. Exactly. But for the most part, I feel like when somebody gets recognition for the work that they did, I can give credit to their creativity without having the the dark cloud of nepotism over. It's never bothered me really for anybody and this whole family, the Coppola's. And the Schwartzmans. They got it. They got it. <laughs> they fucking got it. Nicolas Cage came from this family. Talia Shire came from this family. They all are so talented. It's not just the Coppolas. Um, you got to give them the credit. They're good. It's They're true. all fucking good. And I also think it's so wild how, and you touched on this, Jack, when you were talking about um, how this like came to be, but like that she read the novel, loved it, and then some studio had the rights and yeah. her, I love this like her dad did try to buy it for her mm-hmm. but like as any dad would want to yeah. try for their daughter I guess unsuccessfully and then she just wrote the script and he was like don't do that you're gonna break your heart you're gonna write the script right. you're not gonna be able to make it but she wrote it on spec and then it was so good when I guess they gave it to the studio the studio yeah. was like oh yeah this is better than anything we'll we've tried to deuce but which is kind of an incredible origin story absolutely she knew she had to make it so she's like fuck it i'm writing this on spec even (laughs) though i don't even own the rights i mean that is kind of nuts yeah Yeah. you see a lot of what would later become hallmarks of sofia coppola's Mm. directing style and filmmaking style in this movie she's a very tactile director she likes to focus on things Mm -hmm. articles of clothing scrapbooks books and materials and stuff like that you definitely deal in loneliness which is a theme in all of her movies particularly Mm -hmm. like the loneliness of being a woman trapped in something and this is these girls are absolutely trapped in this house and you see that in stuff like the beguiled you see that even in in somewhere which I know exactly people lost and that's a male protagonist but like I love that's one of my favorites of hers so interesting right yeah and yeah lost in translation Mm -hmm. yeah the isolation yeah this feeling of like trying to communicate with the outside mary antoinette huge that's me the whole story she's able to use this almost fetishization of 
journals and diaries and magazines, but incorporates it so well into the story because these characters are literally using it to reach out to the mm. outside world. Like there's that great montage where they're calling the boys and just playing records. Oh, they're not God. speaking on the yes. phone. Yes. They're using their things to communicate their feelings with each other. One of the interesting things about this movie is it never really tries to explain the suicides. It's really more about how people interpret the loss, mm -hmm. uh -huh. you know, of people who they think they know or people that they care about and what it means. And they're really analyzing and being detectives about all the stuff that was left behind to try to solve the mystery. But the movie never gives us a solve. Yeah. One of the things that connected her to this was that her brother Gio died when yeah. she was a teenager. I was thinking about that a lot. And she didn't really realize until later on that like the death of her brother being a teenager really like kind of haunted her teenage mm -hmm. years. And so she had a real connection with this idea of being a teenager and and having to deal with death mm, and process mm. it. Yeah. Which is why I think it's so affecting. And yeah. yet, to your point, I love that. I mean, it is like auto-fiction in a way, but she didn't love that she didn't even know that's what she was making yeah. the film about, but it is, of course, a part of her. Exactly. So yeah. it seeps in. Yeah. I also think about all the time, honestly, that shot of, I think it's after Cecilia dies, and it's like, we're pretty like wide, and it's uh, Kathleen Turner, and her back is to Ugh, camera, and I she's in exactly her bedroom. Mm -hmm. And then- all she it's does when the priest is, is going through the house. Yes. Right? And there's just this one beat where we're on her back. And then all of a sudden she just like turns her head to the left slightly. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's all yeah. we need. Uh -huh. We don't need a, you know, close up of her crying. We right. don't need her throwing things. Like it's, it's like the frame like quivers with energy and like you can sense like the complete devastation yeah. in that one shot. It, I still think about it. Like I get mm -hmm. chills. Like, and how she, it's like, that's someone who understands grief uh -huh. and yeah. understands like, I don't know how to do it with such a light touch. Mm -hmm. And yet mm -hmm. it also is completely devastating. Well, and also too, we've talked a number of times on this podcast, uh, movies that have been adapted from novels and more often than not, there is like huge differences. You yeah. know, we, mm -hmm. we end up talking about how they strayed from it or like a central aspect of the novel that they just completely left out. Listening to the novel this week, I was really struck by how faithful this movie is to the novel, like really doesn't stray from it at all. And I think does a, a masterful job at like capturing what feels like every detail of the novel. You know, it took six hours to listen to and ev I felt like everything in there, I was like, yeah, there's a part of that in the movie. Wow. She did such a good job of taking this entire thing and really not, I don't think leaving really anything mm -hmm. out of it. Did y'all uh, read the novel? I read it when the I became obsessed with yes, this movie. Yeah, yeah. So I read it in early high school, mm -hmm. but I didn't reread it. Yeah, I have not reread it, but I did reread recently the the um the, short. the Paris Review. I really like want to read that. It's, yeah, it's, again, I just am floored by her ability to capture tone. Well, yeah. that's like that. a, something I was thinking about a lot in this movie. I've talked about "Call Me by Your Name" a lot during like our patreons and stuff like that, mm -hmm. and how I've mm -hmm. always thought that that movie is the best movie I've ever seen that captures first love that like oh my god that mm. that feeling yeah and I feel like this movie does the same thing like it's exactly for like, like infatuation what, exactly it's like yeah. what you were talking about though of not talking down to like that first love mm -hmm. or that infatuation that but it captures it so perfectly and I think that's why like I have stayed loving this movie for so long and immediately connected to it when I was literally probably 13 when I first saw it was because yeah. it 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 is connecting with that part of you so perfectly. And the yeah. thing that I can't believe is when I was rewatching it, I was like, 
And I feel bad. Whoever it's, you know, it's really tough. Wigs are really tough. But <laughs> that wig is so oh <laughs> insane that Josh Harden wears. It's like literally a bucket with yes. like so a funny. slit in the side. I feel bad. I mean, no, like the work is stunning. Yes, this movie, yes, I don't yes, mean yes, to like talk down to whoever no. did the wigs. I'm but so that sorry. hair was also iconic to me. Jack had that hair in high school. I, I mean, it's when it we looks first like started a dating. bush bucket <laughs> on his head. So but like funny. he's still, the, and I was rewatching the uh, the walk that he does, oh. like Crazy Man, yeah, and just the way his body moves, like his waist is slender. It's like he's moving through water. Yeah. And he's like, so tall and thin. Yeah, licks like, his lips like, and just uh. like he like really is just like that guy. Uh-huh. It's it's capturing something really important because all the sort of charisma is coming from Josh Harden because mm. his hair looks goofy, uh-huh. his clothes really don't fit him very well. Totally, like everything's too totally. small. That's what reminded me of me. I had long, awkward Lanky. haircut hair yeah, too. Yeah. I was super lanky and none of my clothes fit on me my pants sat way too low on my hips my w- torso looked really long all my shirts were too small and when i was looking at it, i was like that's exactly what but yeah, it doesn't I, matter because he's got the rings but he's pull, got the peach snap he pulls it off and like they, they describe <laughs> oh, him as like he's snaps. fresh off of coming from baby fat like yeah. eight months before he was a totally different looking kid and now he's like really handsome to everybody <laughs> and it's like that fucking happens like yeah. you suddenly like grow up and things don't fit anymore and everything's awkward but like you become attractive yes yes yeah, and the eggleston-ness of it all too like the lighting and those yeah. images of um because it's set in the 70s mm-hmm. right and so like i also just feel like i was trying to see what they shot shot on 35 yeah. right um and i with remember- cook lenses which i've used before in this thing where we were trying to emulate mm. this movie because it was supposed to feel nostalgic we were able to find the cook lenses that they used on this oh my god um and yeah, it I does it made a difference mm-hmm. on, i think that's what movie. they were yeah <gasps> oh my god <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, this movie looks insane. Like just the aesthetic of it. It's like one of those things where you're watching it and it's just like, it's so hard to emulate this look digitally. Mm. So many people try. I mean, there's a million like Netflix shows that come out there. Everything tries to look like this. Based in the 70s. Yeah, this is for all- I try to make my life look like this movie. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, this is, we've talked about this before with movies like Seven and movies that- they show up on like every director's lookbook. This is a movie where it's like there isn't a director out there that has not pulled an image from this <laughs> film and put it in their lookbook to try to like sell another thing. 100%. It's just one of those. And for that to be your first feature, it's like coming out the so gate. Yeah. She has such good taste in music. It's too. So, she has yeah. such good taste all around. Just like taste. I feel yeah. like we've yeah. talked about obviously Josh Hartnett and we will continue to. But, <laughs> no, but the casting of this movie, like Unreal. The, the sisters are so mm. perfect and like and Kirsten. Oh, my like God. She, ca- she was 16 just, when she filmed that. Yeah. That's the other thing I think is so incredible. It's like you're capturing a moment that is literally like lightning in a bottle. Like mm-hmm. if they had shot the next summer or whenever, it would have been gone. Like Josh Hartnett would have looked yeah. too mannish. Yeah. And she would have looked maybe too mature. But she's like, you're capturing like this cusp That's moment. what's so perfect about it is they're all obviously so beautiful. But they all are so authentically young looking still. Mm. And I think especially now, so much of the stuff that we see because of social media and everything, like teenagers just look so much older. Yeah. Or they're present, or they're pre- yes, exactly. Or the way that the media is presenting them is That's so much older. Point. Whereas, yep. like this is like no, this actually looks like a fifteen-year-old, mm-hmm. and the boys too. Yes. They all look so God, young. Yeah, because I feel like things about high schoolers. You know, everybody knows this, but a lot of t- most of the time they're casting twenty-somethings right, or whatever right. to play them. So to like actually see these like awkward teenage boys yeah. and like these 
beautiful teenage girls that are like you're like oh god like she is sexy but it's she's also a child and mm-hmm. like you know and then it's that's like what it captures yeah. that is so great like I think Kirsten even said in some interview she was like you know she'd been a child actress uh-huh. and a very successful child actress she was 10 years into her career when she made which this movie. is insane. So insane but then this was the movie that like she was exploring her sexuality yeah. she was exploring yeah. being a sexual being and like even but it's so I remember that shot at the towards the end where she's smoking the cigarette, you mm-hmm. know, and it's like she's kind of trying to be a femme fatale and it's the character trying, but also Kirsten trying. Uh-huh. Yeah. And it's that sort of fusing that makes it so rich. And that know? again is like speaking to actual teenage girls. I remember oh like God. smoking <gasps> and not knowing how to smoke, but yeah. like really trying to feel like, okay, I'm cool. Like I know how to do this. Like it's just so it's all so authentic. Oh my God. I remember I made this is so embarrassing. <laughs> made okay because this is also when like back where like there was fucking vhs tapes and i like my friend and i would like make music videos uh-huh. and like i was waiting for tonight the j-lo song had just come out and i oh, yeah. you would be here in my heart oh my god waiting for tonight and like and had all those like green like lasers uh-huh. yeah. and they're having like a fucking rainforest wave and i'm just like oh and then she's like naked covered in diamonds yes and I just was like you know I had, didn't have my period for probably like 20 years of yet I had like no breasts like, but I was like oh my god she's so sexy so I like would like I danced on my we did like a Dutch angle and I was dancing on my bed like in this really tight skirt and then I did a bubble bath and I took my straps off my top so it looked like I was naked and my friend filmed me in the bubble bath pretending to be nude like, it's like absurd Ugh. and then it was really bad because then I sent the video to my crush but anyway it was so bad yeah. and the entire soccer team watched me just tape and it was like no. so close like, yes, Luis Mendoza oh my god it was so bad um, but anyway but like I was seriously trying to be like Kirsten with yeah, the cigarette yeah. but I yeah. was trying to be like naked in a bathtub like performing uh-huh. like what it is to be an adult yes well let's take a quick break when we come back we'll break it down the virgin suicides we'll be right back Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ready to pop the question and take advantage of 30% off? The jewelers at bluenile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com to get 30% off. Select lab-grown diamonds. That's BlueNile.com for 30% off lab-grown diamonds. BlueNile.com. Welcome back to Cinema Possess, and we are talking Sofia Coppola's 1999, The Virgin Suicides. Yet again, 1999, one of the best film years there ever was. <sighs> so many great oh things. God. The 90s, it hurts me. It hurts me that we weren't making movies in the I 90s. I know, but we were watching <laughs> them. Mm-hmm. 
Cecilia was the first to go. Giovanni Ribisi comes in with that narration oh right God, away. His voice, the crackle, the like, and again, right on the cusp of like boy man. Uh-huh, yeah. Yes, that's the perfect thing about his voice. Everyone dates the demise of our neighborhood from the suicides of the Lisbon girls. People saw their clairvoyance in the wiped out elms, the harsh sunlight, and the continuing decline of our auto industry. Even then, as teenagers, we tried to put the pieces together. We still can't. And what's interesting, too, is it's never identified who he is. Right. He's clearly one of the boys. The boys, yeah. But the movie never identifies it, and the book never identifies it either. And he oh, always so interesting, because I guess in I we. think, who do I always imagine it is? I imagine him as, as the littlest one. Oh, see, I imagine him as the one who's like, I'm going to Yale. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's true. Giovanni Ribisi is the, supposed to be sort of the more grown-up of one of the of boys. Of one of those boys yeah. remembering. It's yeah. very Stand By Me. It uh, has. It's I like know, the same sort of structure as a stand. And a little me. bit of like drugstore cowboy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It starts in the VO and yeah. he's mm-hmm. like, this was my crew and this is what we did. And yeah. This is the woman I love. It's a coming of age movie. That's a very standard sort of coming of age trope. Did y'all have a crushes on Giovanni Ribisi ever? Uh, I did. There was a time. Would it have been from... Friends? No, it was from um, Saving Private Ryan. Saving Private Ryan. Ryan. Well, he used to because of his death scene. I've talked about about, like dramatic was so haunting to me, Mm. and I used to think about it all the time. That then I would think about him. Yeah, like there were. He was in there Also, somewhere. I shouldn't have, but like, I thought he was so hot in Lost in Translation. Oh, yeah. He was such a dick. He's he the Spike like, Jones proxy, yeah, apparently. Yeah, totally. But he was like, yeah, the photographer for like Ugh. those bands. And like, he was just like so hot, but like so, again, not emotionally available yeah. or like mm-hmm. aloof. Um, and, you know, this is before I learned about who you should really love, you uh-huh, know, and like uh-huh, it was yeah. the bad boy of thing about him that I really I was like, God, he's so hot. Lost in Translation was one of those that, I think it's a great film. I watched it in the theater. Loved it. It was my introduction to her as a director because I hadn't seen Virgin Suicides yet. Bought it on DVD. I still own it. I've never been able to get through it again because it makes me so sad. Mm. I don't know what it is about the vibe of that movie. Very lonely film. It makes me sad. Way sadder than this movie makes (laughs) me. Uh, It's Something about it is like, oh, it's heavy. Didn't you just go there? I did go to Japan, which honestly, it's like was a dream, like pilgrimage, wanted to go there forever. And especially seeing that film, too. I was like, oh, my God, this is so iconic. Um, And I mean, I felt I was like, did I feel loneliness? I, I went with my mom to Tokyo and then I was by myself in Kyoto. And I do have to say. Even though I did learn some phrases and like was able to get around by myself. But yes, there is this feeling of being alone, surrounded by, you know, hundreds of people, especially being a tourist. Mm-hmm. And so I felt maybe a slight like melancholy, but it was delightful. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Like it was, there was yeah. this quality of like seeking and searching, which she certainly has in yeah. the film, right? She like doesn't right. really know what she wants to do. And like, but I felt when I was going to those shrines and these temples in Kyoto, I was like, there's something about that that's so true that she captured, like a spaciousness a um a capaciousness and and yet there is like a loneliness but it's like sweet mm-hmm. i don't know yeah and that's yeah i love about that movie that there are these two very lonely people that yeah. find each other for a moment it's funny when i first saw that movie i was like oh it's more like i didn't think of it as super sexual or anything uh-huh. and then i don't know when i saw it recently i was like oh no he's definitely <laughs> 
<laughs> like I just remember that moment he touches her foot on the bed and uh-huh. like yeah. it's so but it's like kind of fatherly and um but then I was like oh no he's definitely like checking her out and like totally yeah. in love with her and like it's like is this why I always liked older men like, <laughs> just like in my brain like watching these things but I did make the pilgrimage to um the New York bar right in that the oh, Hyatt cool. the hotel yeah. and I went all the way to that top floor I took my mom <sighs> And I did have Suntory time, like whiskey. <laughs> so cool. And there was this incredible jazz singer. And it was amazing. It like it looked very much like the film, but also uh-huh. so different because they only shot from the bar looking out. And there's this whole back section where you have like the kitchen and like tables and like so it was also interesting to see, oh right, how much a film can transform and create a space. Right. It's um, amazing. But yeah, yeah, it was amazing. That's so cool. We get to meet the Lisbon sisters. We first meet Cecilia, who we see has a suicide attempt in the bathtub. Mm -hmm. She slid her wrists in the tub. And we sort of follow as she gets rescued and then has to go through the hospital process. And we get that great line where the doctor says, what are you doing here, honey? You're not even old enough to know how bad life gets. Obviously, doctor, you've never been a 13-year-old girl. I honestly think that's like... The thesis of the movie. Oh, totally. Yeah, right there. Totally. And yeah. then you yeah. smash cut to the title right after that line. It is the thesis of the movie. And I love the title, how it like starts with one little logo, but then and you then get every... Such doodle. a dream. Yeah. Yeah, because when you're doing a project and you're coming up with like logos and titles and stuff, you get like a number of different options. And sometimes you're like, oh, I kind of love all of these. Which one do I pick? Sophia's like, I'm just going to use them all. <laughs> she just throws them but all on the screen. It's also that like capturing when you're daydreaming, you're doodling in your mm-hmm. journal and you would just like write the same. Yeah. The crush you had over and over your own name. Or exactly. That sort of like iterating, 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 uh-huh. iterating. Mm-hmm. It captures that so well. And we get to meet all the sisters in this cool little montage of getting out of the car and everybody gets a freeze frame with their little name written on there and I Lux, forgot. She like flips oh my hair. god Lux, yeah. the best Kristen but, Dunst is luck she's basically the most sexual of the group uh-huh. even though she's it seems like she's the oldest but she's not she's no. actually the Mm-mm. second youngest Kristen Dunst she had done interview with a vampire at this point she'd done Jumanji at this right. point small soldier she said that this was the smallest set she'd ever been on isn't that crazy? So cool. Sophia Coppola oh, was God. the one who told her, don't change your teeth. Yes, yes. There were like studio execs or someone that wanted her. It's like, no, that's God. That, yeah. Her teeth are incredible. Her I think about that with Josh Hartnett's gap, too, which oh, she I still know. has, yes, right? He does. Thank God. Yeah. But I'm like, that's so, it's so much character. Yes. It's so unique. And mm-hmm. yeah, Kirsten's little like baby, they almost look like little baby I teeth. Know. And yeah. yeah, her try, I really do. I'm just floored by her ability in this movie to like capture that moment of trying, like finding out that you are a sexual being and also mm-hmm. exploring that that can be as a, a sense of like power or empowering yeah. as a yeah. woman, like exploring what that is. And you don't even really know what that is, but you're trying. It's just such a rich place yeah. to have a, and it all a feels, character. It feels like rebellion a little bit to me oh, too. Like everything sure. they do her is like a rebellious energy. The dresses that her mom makes, which remind me of like the the dresses that um in uh, The Sound of Music Maria made for the kids. It's like yeah. out of curtains, you know, where you're like, <laughs> they're literally wearing tablecloths. But, like, but they couldn't look more beautiful. Oh my God. Like, and they each have like their own little individual style. Oh. And, you know, doesn't Lux try to like hike it up or something you know yeah. it's so yeah it's great in an effort to socialize the girls and after the you know cecilia's attempted suicide they decide to throw this little party like in their basement it's really dark how after cecilia has that attempt mm-hmm. she has bandaged wrists oh. yeah 
And then over the bandage wrist, they tape and add all these like colorful bracelets Be- yeah. and yeah. beads. And like, so you have this like the childlike, innocent, mm-hmm. you know, plastic beads you'd play with when you were like three. Yeah. And then she's hiding these wounds yeah. that she's <sighs> inflicted on herself. And that dichotomy, I don't know, it just feels so rich. But again, it's like she's. Sophia's not shying away no. from mm-hmm. yeah. the reality mm-hmm. of like this girl cut herself. Like there are wounds under here. And it's a dark humor that like yeah. runs throughout the movie too. There's all these trying little- Trying to tape it and yeah. you can't really hide it, but they're trying and it's kind of like- And you oh, can't help God, but laugh at the shot. Like when yeah. they show yeah. you them doing that, it's like, it's sad on paper, but it's really funny I to know. watch them try to but like, that, And that's what the truth. It. That's like the truth exactly, of, yeah. of having to deal with that. And she's played by Hannah Hall. Great. Is her name. She is- I just think she's a little girl in Forrest Gump, right? Yes, Who plays, she plays young Jenny? Jenny. Young really? Jenny. Isn't yeah. that crazy? She's incredible. She has such like a maturity and like old soulness mm. about her, which is how the book describes her. Yeah. They say Cecilia; she's is the youngest so of the daughters, cast. Mm. but she is like an old woman in her soul. Is is, is how the book? Describes That's something her. else. Like, and even with Kirsten. You could be such a child actor. You could get kids that are so acty mm-hmm. yeah. and hammy and like, but they just yeah. are so, they, they're they just being, you know, mm-hmm. and even with Cecilia, she's not acting. Pushing she's it just, at all. Which is interesting because Sofia Coppola, I first heard of her as an actor because I was really into the Godfather movies when I was a kid. She was and also she, in The Outsiders. She was like, hey, you got a quota? Yeah. <laughs> she comes up to the <laughs> She car. pops up in a lot of Francis's stuff. And actually the first time I ever saw her was in a short film that Tim Burton made called Frankenweenie, oh which God. I had a videotape of. watch this now. I was obsessed with it as a kid. And she plays like the teenage love interest. She's wearing a blonde wig. What? She's credited as Domino. In the movie, because I guess at the time she was going through a phase where she was like, I don't want people to call me Sophia. I want people to call me Domino. Oh my God. Honestly, I'm that's so, so sick. I'm obsessed. Domino, that's so hot. But that was my first introduction to her. And then I knew her as an actor because she's in Godfather 3. Mm. Uh, the story is that Winona Ryder was cast in Godfather right. 3 to play the love interest to Andy Garcia. But she had basically kind of like a nervous breakdown. She, mm. The pressure of Hollywood kind of got to her. She dropped out of the movie and they had to quickly make a decision. Francis Ford Coppola was like, I'll just cast my daughter. Big part. It's a huge part in the movie. Didn't people eviscerate her? Eviscerated her. I always had a huge crush on her as a kid. I watched the movie still today. I think she's good. And part of it is because she's just being herself. You can tell she was like, okay, dad, what do you want me to do? Mm -hmm. And she's just walking on and doing her thing. There's not any Disney channel in her. There's not any Nickelodeon. Mm. She's just being authentically her, whatever, 16, 17 year old self that is exactly what you're saying that the performances are in this movie. Like you can tell the kids didn't over rehearse this movie and it feels so real Mm. throughout the whole thing. I think she also remember her saying some interview like, like her dad that, she would have the cast like have a meal together, like cook dinner. So mm-hmm. you're also that. creating that family dynamic. And I mean, I count that as rehearsal, right? Totally. Like yeah. you're you're talking to the people you're going to be creating this unit with. You're sh- literally breaking bread with them. You're helping take turns, stir the pasta sauce. Like that all builds intimacy. And I do think that completely translates on screen. Mm-hmm. They invite all the neighborhood boys over. I think they're all really fucking good too. Like they're, oh, they're so, so funny. Good. Hilarious moment with Robert Schwartzman and oh Kathleen Turner. Oh my God, Turner. that clutching of the... This <laughs> <laughs> punch is fantastic. Can I give you more? Sure. What's in it? Juices, some cherry, uh, pineapple. You know, I, uh, I love pineapple. <laughs> 
really. And she's like titillated uh, also. Like it's like She's like, okay. And confused. Yeah. And James Woods is really funny in this scene too because he's like so going around he the boys. Show them his he's showing them like his airplane. This baby would come in and this won the war for the United Kingdom. You see? Excuse me. Okay. And it's this kind of uh, this kind of uh, equipment that, that makes uh, a model work. James Woods is really good this movie. It sucks that he sucks in real life. He's like a terrible. Oh, really? Totally right wing, transphobic, homophobic. What a bummer. And he's like so against woke culture. Ugh. And he's probably going to win an Oscar this year too because he's a producer in Oppenheimer. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, in this film, before I knew anything. He's amazing. <laughs> He's, he's amazing in everything. Honestly, he's a great actor. Yeah. In the scene, they they bring over this kid named Joe who has mm. Down syndrome, and the boys. I I was actually like, it's uncomfortable yeah. because they're kind of asking him to do like party tricks, and they're laughing. Yeah. But they're also sort of sweet to him at mm-hmm, times too, mm-hmm. and it does seem like they they like him. They're clearly kind of using him as an as an awkward icebreaker, right? Yes. Right. Because the party's sort of awkward, and so they're like, "Hey, Joe, come on over here. Let's all hang out with yeah. Joe." It's right on that cusp. It's on the cusp. And and I really appreciate it. Like, it doesn't feel like an exploitative scene to me, but there is an uncomfortableness to it. And very clearly, Cecilia is uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. I think just in general by the party as well, Mm -hmm. but probably in this moment as well, it's making her uncomfortable. Yeah. But I, I thought this was just like a very delicately handled moment and the kids are all so good their performances are great when the kids flipping the coin oh my yeah. god that keeps is so funny on the head. he's like well i i guess you, you call did it joke. Yeah. Call <laughs> joke. yeah cecilia ends up leaving and they're sort of like why do you want to leave this is your party and she wants to go to bed and then a few moments later they hear this noise and this is a pretty disturbing moment mm. where they hear a noise and almost like they know yeah what mm-hmm. it is and they all go running out and i think the movie does this really great thing where it prolongs showing you what happened. Mm-hmm. Like for a long time, you're just seeing characters looking at something off frame yeah, and you don't yeah. know. And then it finally reveals that she's like impaled on oh. the fence outside. And James Woods is trying to pull Struggling her off, but, but her. can't do it. Yeah. That used to haunt me, that like image. I used to think about that all of the time. And what's haunting to me about it is it feels a little stagey and it's very ungory. Totally, totally. And to me, there's something that actually adds... A profoundness. I to actually it. loved that, and I never noticed that until this watch of how there's like you don't see blood or anything. Yeah, no. and the way the boys react, where they see it, and then they just start walking away. Yeah, like nobody tells them to go. They're just sort of like, we need to get the get fuck out of, out of here. here. Yeah. Which has felt so real to yeah. me because the mom is crying. Well, it is that's such a theatrical image too of Kathleen Turner like with her back to the girls don't and, look, don't and look. she's yes. like has her hands spread and her legs displayed and she's like and it's just I think that <sighs> why oh. you know. And it's giving it's, me chills. It's so evocative. And I forget, remember that detail of, I forget who the kid is. He's like Italian and he jumps out the yes. window. He's like, I love her. <laughs> he's and like so, an immigrant kid in the in the yeah, town. Yeah. And who's like in love with some girl in the neighborhood. And I didn't really put it together, I feel like, until later. But the, like, she's jumping like he yeah. jumped. Yeah. You know? and, and in like, the book, it says that she had a crush on that kid. Ah, uh, okay. But so see, the, I love that you don't even know necessarily. I mean, mm-hmm. I think maybe that yeah. is a little bit in there. Also, and then they take, they dig the fence out. That's the other thing I love. It's yes. like as if removing that fence we'll would save. stop yeah. it from yeah. ever happening again. And or would like undo something if mm-hmm. we just dig the fence out. And all the men in the neighborhood are like, we got to do this fence <laughs> It's like we'll mis- it's misplaced like, blame. That idea of like toxic masculinity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. That really isn't, I mean, the boys are all very 
there's an Sweet. innocence and there's yeah. a sweetness and an emotionality yeah. that you typically don't see when you see a lot of male characters mm-hmm. at this time, right? For it's sure. like no one's Tom Cruise, yeah. you know, no one's like the football jock. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and even the dad has, I mean, for lack of a better word, like a more effeminate energy. Yeah. Um, and he's, you know, like kind of nerdy uh-huh. and trying his best and um, kind of checked out and that's, doesn't really That's know. where I think the toxic masculinity comes in with his character is that yeah. he's checked out. Like yeah. he's detached. Yeah. You can sort of see that in this family surrounded by all these women, he feels overwhelmed. I was going to say mm-hmm. overwhelmed. I feel like. But he kind of opens up when he goes to school. He's like, this is where I'm at. I'm in front, I'm at the front of the board and I'm teaching math and I'm talking to my plants and stuff. Right. But when he goes home, <laughs> he doesn't know he how doesn't to connect. Deal. Yeah, and even when all. eventually yeah. one of the girls dies, there's Ugh. that great scene with Scott Glenn, the priest who comes in and he's like, basically like, do you want to talk about it? And he's like, this game, this football game is so great. He can't even talk about it's the death so of his sad. own daughter. Yeah, his inability to emotionally be open or process or uh-huh. communicate. Yeah. And then, and then what that does to the girls when you can't, yeah, when you can't speak about it. Yeah, when you can't communicate, totally, and they feel like they can't communicate with you. Yeah, it like poisons everybody. You and know? it is, it's, it's like not your stereotypical toxic masculinity, but mm. it is a type of toxic masculinity yeah. because it comes from being male and like trying to suppress your emotions. Like a stoicism or something. Exactly, yeah. and that's toxic. It's also though, I think, true of grief. I mean, I think about like, when, how when I experienced loss at a, as a teenager and um and I lost my dad and like our family like didn't talk yeah. about it mm-hmm. like we couldn't touch it because it was like then everything would yeah. fall apart so you're just walking on eggshells avoiding living in denial for mm-hmm. literally years and I feel like this movie really captures that like just trying to survive just yeah. trying to like continue going mm-hmm. on and how actually like fucking not manic but how nuts and unhinged it can look from the outside yeah when you're yeah. pretending everything's okay and you're like your daughter just impaled herself mm-hmm. on this you know like and we're just trying to have breakfast right, and right. like how that just feels so insane mm-hmm. and i think she captures that so well so well. yeah it's just the theme of the movie is like you never really truly know people by the evidence that you have as an outsider because that's all these kids have Mm. is just the evidence that they can sort of pull but they're always outside and they never really know who these people are but yet they're trying to sort of like chase the image that they have for them particularly the girls but the family too they're always very confused about you know why after the death of cecilia can the girls just go back to school and act normal? Like they don't seem to be too affected by it. And everybody's really confused by that, mm-hmm. but that's totally real. Like, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. grief. People don't know how to express themselves and their emotions and feelings. Like I lost my mom too. And I don't talk about it. Mm-hmm. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And I'm still talking about that in therapy in terms of like, oftentimes I don't even think about it mm-hmm. and that can create guilt in me, mm-hmm. but it's like human nature to sort of like suppress scary hard emotions totally and something like that is so scary and so hard that like it's an immediate suppression right right we watched a movie recently called a cry in the dark about the woman real life woman whose dingo stole her baby when she was on a trip You've, have oh you ever heard God. people say like maybe the dingo ate your baby yes with meryl street I, wait i didn't know it's about based on a though. true story of a, of a family in australia who crazy. a dingo took their baby <gasps> and so Did when they, they get it back no no, no oh they did not my god and then the mom acted so emotionless. You know, they went to the news yeah. and they were like, a dingo took our baby. 
And then there was all, they like ended up finding remnants of the baby and it kind of looked like maybe it had been murdered by somebody. And because she was emotionless, because she wasn't crying and sobbing in front of the cameras like people expected her to Mm. be, they started pointing the finger and being like, she probably killed the baby. They put her on trial and she went to jail. She went to jail and she had to prove her innocence. And then it came out, she did not do it. A dingo actually did take and kill her baby. This reminds me of like Anatomy of a Fall where it's like, oh, she's not a perfect victim. Yes. Yeah. It's all about how people see you and what they expect you to act like and what they expect you to be. I also thought when I watched it again recently, I was so moved by Kathleen Turner. That she, it was just so heartbreaking because she's trying to control she's trying so their hard budding and, yeah. bodies Ugh. and like, you know, their like feelings are spilling out everywhere and they're like pubic hair and their lipsticks. And she's like, no, trying to keep them safe, trying to keep them a child. Like it really hit me in a a different way, maybe because I'm older now yeah. watching it. I felt the same way too. And the book paints the parents to be much more unlikable. Mm. And I felt like Sofia Coppola really brought like a humanity yes. to both of those yes. characters who, you know, you could point the finger at them and say like, you're the one who raised these girls to, to be this way. But like you said, like there are so many moments in the movie where it allows you to sort of empathize with a, particularly Kathleen Turner, totally. but James Woods as well, where it's yeah. like, there may be two sheltering. That was one of the things too that Jeffrey Eugenides said is like the two big things that sort of influenced the story was he talked to a babysitter of his sister's niece. They were mm. about to go out to eat and her sister had ordered a babysitter for her for her daughter. And the, he was just like chatting up the babysitter while they were getting the baby ready. And the babysitter said, uh, just offhanded casually said that like me and my sisters tried to commit suicide one time. And he was like, why? What? And she was like, I don't know. We just had a lot of pressure on us. And he was like, so that just one little oh, interaction wow. sparked the idea. But also he said growing up, he would see these strict Catholic families mm-hmm. that had daughters that they oversheltered. And then those daughters would go on when they became teenagers, would become very radical and they yeah, would go out and they'd out. be troublemakers and stuff. And so it was like the combination of those two things sort of inspired this story. So and he pulled a lot from, like he said, every character is basically has a real life proxy of somebody that he knew growing up, the Trip mm. Fontaines and all the girls and everything. But the only reliable boy who actually got to know Lux was Trip Fontaine, who only eight months before the suicides had emerged from baby fat to the delight of girls and mothers alike. <laughs> So then Trip Fontaine enters the film and just changes the whole, changes the chemistry. Yes. Great introduction with Magic Man. It's so fucking cool. We've talked about it before that like once you use a needle drop, well in a movie yeah that movie owns it yeah this movie owns two heart songs it's yeah. got two great heart needle drops that for my money you, no other movie can use these two uh-uh. you no. can't use magic no. man you can't use crazy on crazy you. on you these yeah, are, yeah. the only oh one God. left is barracuda barracuda <laughs> has not been been used yet to a, a significant degree in so my opinion good. but yeah she kills it with these the like montage of him yes. with all the different girls mm-hmm. is just so perfect him in the pool uh, which was is that like a graduate ripoff a little bit maybe yeah, maybe oh, it is. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, um, not rip off homage, I should say. Yeah, but yeah, it's so. God, he's just so perfect. He had done Perfectly a TV fast. show before this called Cracker. He was like a main character. <laughs> Don't oh. know that one. Not Ooh. like Cracker, as in like white person slang, <laughs> but like I think he's like an interrogation artist, so he cracks people. Oh, Ooh. interesting. It's like that kind of a show. Cool. I'm the Cracker, but I think he plays like the Cracker's son. So he was like a regular in this TV show, and I think that's what the casting director for this movie had seen. Huh. 
Um, and then they said that the this whole Magic Man sequence, they sent the tape of just this sequence to Michael Bay when he was casting Pearl Harbor, and that's what got him the part. Oh wow. He just watched this sequence. That's incredible. That is incredible. <laughs> I mean, uh, oh my God. He was like, this is my guy. This is, it's a really, when you think about it, it's a really hard thing to play because there's so many guys that try to play that uh-huh. James Dean cool. Yeah. And it comes off as false. Well, it's because he's kind of dorky yeah. too. Like, which I don't remember. Like in my yeah. head, I'm like, he's 100% perfect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like watching it as an adult now, I'm like, oh, he's like awkward. Oh, like, yeah. With his like constantly like flicking his little hair. Right. And you could and tell like, in the making of that Josh Hartnett does not like this wig too. Yeah, like he's, yeah, yeah. he's a little he's uncomfortable so by having to wear the wig. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But and when he tries to go up to Lux with her sisters and oh. she's eating the bologna oh, sandwich. That's such a funny and moment. And he's like, <laughs> and then he like awkwardly like slings off. And she's, she's like, not bologna. bologna. Brad, it's thanks, mom. Yeah, she's just Brad. she's just making fun of her mom and like not acknowledging his presence. Not at all. She's amazing, but like I have to say, kudos to I don't know Sophia helping him find his confidence uh-huh. to like just as you said, like emit this incredible yeah. charisma because he just is. He just is that guy. Mm-hmm. When they when he goes up to her in the like movie theater, yeah, in the classroom they're screening like yeah, the yeah. hurricane oh footage. I mean. I had butterflies watching it this time. Like when you see their little hands, Touch. like such a great thing. And it's being narrated by like the, the, the low pressure and the high pressure yeah, are yeah. swirling around each other. The storm is brewing <laughs> and it's all just like soundtracking the there. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So great. And he's like, I'm going to ask you, out. I'm going to come over uh. and I'm going to, I'm going to watch the TV with you guys and then I'm going to ask you a fat chance. Oh my God. It's so <laughs> it's good. so good. Oh You're God. a stone fox. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> screamed. I literally screamed while watching it this time when he said that. It's so good. So yeah, he comes over. They watch TV. This this really hit home too because I just remember those moments uh-huh. like when we first started dating of like you coming over to my house and like having dinner, watching TV in the living room uh-huh. and like my parents are sort of like circling around. <laughs> Me going over and just like hanging out with your family yeah. before we've ever really like gotten too hot and heavy even, but it's just sort of like we're feeling the everybody's feeling just like bubbling. Yeah. You know? And they're feeling you out and they're feeling me out. <laughs> yeah. And like, that's what this scene reminds. It's so awkward. They're just sort of like mm, watching this little Baker <laughs> show. Well, I guess it's time for you to go home trip. And yeah, it's great because she walks him to the door and you think they're going to kiss there, yeah, yeah, yeah. but um, she kind of like, isn't going to let it happen. And so then he walks out and you fall into the car. <gasps> great. Car in that car scene. for like a, a little yeah. while. Cause yeah. he's kind of disappointed. He's like, yeah. fuck, I thought we were going to kiss. And the, the car's like slowly, or the camera's slowly moving around the car. Then suddenly crazy on you starts playing and it's like pushes in on his face. And then all of a sudden the door just flies just open, yeah. just pops in and like, Eats devours him. Him. <laughs> yeah it's so, so and like on and messy and like so and great. then he has her gum oh yes God. that's a great the, the button on it is that when the she gum, leaves yeah. she swapped gum in his mouth yeah oh. it sent me back to such a memory of one time jack and i when we were in high school making out so hardcore in his nissan i'll never yeah. forget you're oh in the driver's God. seat and i mean just like insane my legs are <laughs> but I literally about just it. making yeah, out yeah 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 and, but like you know going crazy 
And apparently my dad had been like flicking the light. Like for he was the watching driveway. us through the window no. of the house. And he had been flicking the light, but we were like so in like oh make out heaven. Literally like it. fogging the windows. Yes. Oh Everything was God. completely fogged. And I'll never forget. We're like making out, making out. And all of a sudden you just hear this slam no. on Jack's side window. window. And then we like snap out and it's my dad walking back up the drive. He basically <laughs> just, he just walked out, hit the window oh and then walked God. back. Oh my God. <laughs> it was like, you have been kissing for long too. <laughs> But that moment that you said, like, we've all had that. Like, I remember my dad would wait up and he would have the light on. He would just be like reading the newspaper or something. And I remember like one of my first kisses, like, uh, it was under a street lamp. We like, like David Madden had walked me home. We had bikes. And of course, if you rode your bike, you'd be home in two seconds. But yeah. I was like, no, we want this to last. Yeah. So like we walked our fucking bikes <laughs> home and talked. And then there was this like lamp light. Oh, and, like, and, and then like, I remember like we were kissing and I remember I can still taste his like mint gum, like the mint fresh, like spearmint. Uh-huh. And just like, and then coming home and seeing my dad and like, <laughs> Un, like literally lit like an interrogation lamp like with his newspaper like waiting for me and like I just been on the hill like making out with like the spearmint gum like it just is like so incredible and yeah. that's like what this movie like captures. why it just it captures it so perfectly and so few movies actually mm-hmm. capture that yeah. feeling that like seeing her and him in that car and then hearing that story about you like I'm like literally blushing and squealing mm-hmm. yeah. it's like it brings back you get that jazzed thought. up in the scene like yeah. it works yeah. oh it works so well and on the behind the scenes thing it showed that she actually did play the song when they were shooting the scene that's like they great had that's up. so cool because it does give you they this like feel the momentum uh-huh. energy yeah. and like how wild it is like, yeah and there's, I haven't mentioned it yet, but I watched this on my Criterion Blu-ray of oh The Virgin God, yes. Suicides. It's oh, a very, it's a great release. Has great special features. Yeah. On here, they have the music video for the Air single "Playground Love." The music video is cool. I'd never seen it before. It's basically following the gum through the movie, and the <laughs> the gum up. is singing the song. The Wait, gum is oh like, my "You're God. my playground, no- love." But yet, yeah, like in this every scene, there's multiple scenes with gum. Oh, that that's I didn't, so cool. Like oh my God. you know, the beginning. There's a scene at the beginning where a boy comes over. It's a really funny scene. They're having dinner and all the girls footsie. are sort of crowding yes. and she starts playing footsie. Well, right before that scene, she takes gum out of her mouth and puts it on the plate. Yes. So like in the music video, you see that scene happen and then the camera like focuses on the plate and the gum is singing and <laughs> so then the gum insane. ends up getting passed around and then ends up in Josh Hartnett's mouth and when he takes it out, he like sticks it on his steering wheel and then the gum is singing to the steering wheel. Oh so my God, it I ends up going to the homecoming this. dance. It's super cool. Um, Sofia oh Coppola and Roman Coppola co-directed the music video oh, together. Wow. Oh, cool. I have to watch it. Yeah, definitely check it out. Oh my God, the homecoming dance. So yeah, he he decides he's going to ask her out to the homecoming dance. And this is a great little sequence too where he's like, he's got to get permission from James Woods. So cute. And James Woods is like, you play... What position you play in football or something? <laughs> yeah. and he's that's, like, well, that's, that's a great. That's a crucial that, position. A crucial <laughs> position. It's like so trying to flatter the dad, ingratiates himself. And at first, James Woods is sort of like, I don't know, and he he ends up like working Kathleen Turner to allow. Josh Hardnett to take Lux as long as all the sisters can be taken. Which so he has to like get all of his friends. It, it totally yeah. it's like, does. It's like, it's like giving, you know, what is it? Goneril and Regan. And like, it's just like, if one of them must, then all of them yes. must. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> and he, he eventually allows it. And there's a great moment where like, we see Josh Hardnett go into the classroom and clearly gets told like, you can do it. And he comes outside and he does this little like, yes. Yeah. yeah. Moment. And there's a making of on here where Josh Hardnett nowadays, like uh, modern day, talks about how he 
really disagreed with Sofia Coppola about that choice of him going, yes. Mm. He was like, Trip would never do that. Mm. He's too cool. He wouldn't show his cards. He's feeling that, but he would never go like, yes. And Sofia Coppola is like, no, I think in this moment you really need to. And apparently she even had to get James Woods to come and talk to him, like pull oh him in a corner because James Woods is in the scene and be like, hey, man, you know, sometimes you just kind of got to kind of just got to like one for her one for you, meet the director's vision. So, so he eventually funny. did it. And he's like, now I look back on it and realize she's still right because I didn't understand how intimate that moment was. Yeah. I, I didn't understand that like. Trip isn't showing for anybody in that right. moment. He's feeling it it's for a himself. Private moment. Yeah. It's a private moment. And we need that as an audience mm-hmm. to like empathize with Trip. We mm-hmm. want to like Trip in this moment. We want him to like get the thing and we want him to feel satisfied. Yeah. Can you imagine being Sofia Coppola in that moment too? This like this fucking dumb teenage boy. Like, just oh, do what the do fuck what? I want you to do. And you do. can tell it in like the vintage behind the scenes thing, he's like such a little actor. He's yeah. like talking to Jeffrey Eugenides and being like, so like, who, who who can I, what's this character about? You know, who did you know? God, you could tell he yeah. was like, really? What you yeah. want? You yeah, know, yeah, you, yeah, you yeah. want she an actor to care. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. But yeah, he like, he very opinionated. He was yeah. like, oh Trip would God. not do this. Yeah. But no, it's also that, it's such a vulnerable moment to see him underneath the cool. Yeah. Which I think is, again, crucial. It's important, yeah. To the audience being able to relate. He turned 20 while making this movie. That's oh. crazy. And he said that on his birthday, so they gave him a cake and everything. And then Sofia Coppola gave him a bottle of wine and wrote on it, you're not a teen heartthrob anymore. Mm, cute. And he said he never drank the bottle. He still has the bottle. <laughs> Good, yeah. He cried. Keep it. Yeah, that's Keep so it. sweet. That's a thoughtful guess. So they go to homecoming. And With this is- what, which really side note, I was like, oh my God, I didn't realize that one of the boys was Hayden Christensen. Yeah. And- Yes, he's like the blonde boy. And I was also so obsessed with him around this time. And one of the sisters who plays Mary, AJ Cook, they were on the show called Higher Ground where (gasps) they were both like, I remember Higher Ground. Yes. And like had to go to like reformation Can camp or something things? yes yeah. what channel with- was high- cuz i never it was watched like on, it was like fox family oh my god or i totally remember that and yeah so to see them both in this movie Wait, wasn't i was he like questions and then later Luke? star wars yeah yeah, yeah, yeah he was um darth vader he was he was uh, oh right. anakin skywalker anakin, that's yeah. anakin. the other one but yeah, again, the casting, she knew amazing she knew these little stars crazy and there's like a great little moment where they come to pick them up and they're in these pretty bad looking hideous dresses that the mother made but they're, the camera then like zooms in on Lux's <laughs> waist and you like see an x-ray and we see that she has trip written on her underwear so, which is good. Great. so good so good and I actually feel vindicated from this scene because when Corey and I went to prom <laughs> oh god what? I was, you know, very excited about it. I had my little vintage brown suit that I got from Goodwill. Did you write Corey on your underwear? <laughs> I should have on my boxer briefs. Um, but then like three days before prom, somebody, I want to say it was Marianne, called me and she was like, by the way, you do know that you have to get her a corsage, right? Oh my God. And I was like, what the fuck is a corsage? <laughs> <laughs> so no, I did not know. So she was like, just go to a flower shop and ask for a corsage. So I go to a flower shop. And they give me this beautiful little corsage flowers that you pin on. And we did what the, what happens in this movie where everybody before prom met up at Corey's house. It was probably like 10 of us, 15 of us maybe. Yeah, my dad made us fancy dinner. That's beautiful so time. Cute. really cute. And then we get to the moment where the boys now put the Penny. corsages on the girls. No, all, I guess at this point in time. Everybody had wrist corsages. Everybody had oh, wristband no. corsage. Everybody except for me. Aww. And everybody kind of made fun of me <laughs> for doing the pin-on corsage. So when I saw this happen in the movie, I was like, 
See, you were a classic man. <laughs> yeah, I was just yeah. I was like, 70s style. boy. Yeah. I was doing it the true way, <laughs> but and it, that matches with the suit I was wearing because that was like a vintage yeah, 70s totally. suit. Awesome, but I love that the pinning because it's also like you're nervous, your hands are shaking. Uh, like, oh yeah, you could also impale the person. Yeah, you yeah. could impale them. yourself. Yeah. Like it's, yeah, it's so rich. <laughs> I think we have that pictures moment. of you pinning it on me. We should yeah, put those so Yeah, we were everybody stuff. was taking pictures. I think they're the better pictures to be honest. <laughs> um and yeah, I thought all this homecoming stuff was actually pretty emotional to me Very. because you can tell the girls feel like human beings. Like when one of the sisters is like, I'm having the yes. best time. It's I wanted to cry. It's, it's like the climax, it's, right? It's like the yeah. happiest we ever see them. It's maybe the only time they've ever gotten to like feel like real human beings yes. independently of like their parents. Even though James Woods is like chaperoning the dance and he's like there. Right. They're dancing. The stick song is playing. Oh my God. The balloons. The balloons. Oh. And like, it's and just a beautiful moment that I was kind of taken aback by. I never really got emotional in this movie, you know, for all the death and stuff in it. It mm. doesn't. It's a slow burn. Yeah. It doesn't ever really play like super devastating, but this moment did actually like mm. make me a little misty because I was just like, they're happy. Yes. No. This is an important moment for them. Trip is trip turns out to be a kind of a piece of shit, but this is good. What he did. He like actually did something for these girls by getting them because they wouldn't have gone to this home. Totally. Yet. And the moment under the bleachers when they're oh. drinking the schnapps, like it's yes. just so again. And the fact like, that it's schnapps, yeah, which so is the first perfect. drink that we it was like we were all passing peach schnapps at that. Oh God, I remember trying to get drunk with my friend on like cooking wine, which is just <laughs> yeah. wine that is expired, like yeah. old bad wine, yeah. and like or, or I remember Bailey's. Oh my God, <laughs> when we with my friend and Garrett Ames and like her dad had beers in the fridge, and we like thought this was brilliant. We popped the. Um, bottle caps off and we like drank the beer and then we filled them up with water oh my god we did that and i remember her dad the next night we had a sleepover oh. the next night was like girls and i don't know we were young like he was like girls i don't care if you have a beer or two but do not refill them with water <laughs> he was like so pissed that we refilled them with water yeah. and he like Bad form. was excited to crack a cold yeah. one and was like what the fuck like it wasn't like don't so, do that. It was like don't refill it with water. Yeah, don't. How dare you? <laughs> so yeah, Lux and Trip they win homecoming king and queen. They end up walk going to this football field and walking around, and then they have sex. This is peak field. Eggleston photograph mm -hmm. moment. Yeah, and then we see Josh Hartnett wake up in the middle. They fall asleep. <sighs> he wakes up in the middle of the night and he just leaves. And we cut to like jumps into like documentary mode where it's interviewing like I know, a future trip font. That I was like, we could have done without. That. I know, I know. I'm like, that is the. It's the only time it does that. It's right? the only time it does that. If he's sitting at a table being interviewed and he basically explains like, I really cared for her, but in this moment, I didn't care how she got home. I don't really know why I he's, did it. Uh, Shit. It's so a boy that age. Yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah. It just takes off, leaves her sleeping there. And then it's, there's like a funny reveal in this documentary moment where like a, a worker comes in, they're like, all right, uh, we got to go get into your AA meeting. <laughs> right. Right. And we see he's like in rehab. Right. Which is like a funny little jab on his character. It's like, well, we see what happened to this guy. Hmm. And then I really love this moment where she wakes up, Lux wakes up. And realizes he's gone because the the way she shoots it is she she does this like really high angle mm -hmm. and it makes her really small in the frame. Super and lonely. Everywhere yeah. else in this movie, she's shot like a goddess. They're mm. literally like superimposing her image over clouds and she, she's winking at the camera. Mm. There's a great moment when when Trip first sees her 
And she turns and they do this little graphic sparkle over her eye. This movie films her like a majestic being. But in this moment, she looks so human and small. And it's because of the shot composition. It's really great. And we have to just watch her as she sort of like figures out where she is and puts her little shoes on and like stumbles off the thing. It's really sad. And she's still wearing the crown, right? Yeah. Yeah. She's got the crown. She has to take a cab home and we see her just like looking out the window. Yeah. That is one of the saddest, Mm. most like beautiful moments her look and we see her go home and she immediately gets in trouble and essentially is like impri- they all kind of get imprisoned they yeah. Yeah. out of school they, they stop going get- to school and yeah this is where it really starts to spiral where they have to like start communicating through like flashing their flashlights at the boys right. playing the records great sequence where they're calling on the phone and playing records i actually did this i i taped <laughs> i taped the beetlejuice theme thought it was awesome and i knew it was like something that most people maybe hadn't heard and so i remember talking on the phone with a girl who was a friend of my friends but Don't it was like this Corey. let me let me <laughs> hook you up bitch. with this girl <laughs> And I remember being like, I'm going to play you a song. And I played her the Beetlejuice. Oh, my God. Danny Elfman's. And she was like, this is good. <laughs> but even just remembering like making mixed CDs yes. and, yes. or mixtapes and mm-hmm. stuff. And how, again, it was like sharing your intimacy. Yeah. Yeah. Do people still do that? But just with like Playlists. Spotify playlists? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. I kind of miss the tactile days of that. And you Writing draw the little and name. Yes. Yeah. For Corey. <laughs> Corey's mix. Speaking of, I love the way this movie is shot too because they're very the worlds are very defined. Mm. Like the girls are in this sort of like magenta pink and yeah. yeah, world and the boys are sort of in this warm sunny world. But what I appreciate is like it feels you know, oftentimes you watch modern day stuff and everything is so color coded now and like everything kind of matches like you'll you'll watch something in like the color of the wall also kind of matches like the the accent on the hat that the person is wearing and you can tell like the production designer and the wardrobe and the director they all are working in cohesion but it's almost too designed totally like, it works in a wes anderson movie because mm-hmm. wes anderson's movies are so designed mm-hmm. but now i feel like everything is designed like a wes anderson movie even yeah. if the tone isn't that totally and it bothers me this movie does such a fantastic job of making the world world feel cohesive without feeling overly meticulous you know it yes. feels real like yeah, their clothes in. it feels, it feels lived, lived in, in. Yeah. yeah um just very impressive it's like a pet peeve that i notice more often now where i'm just like it doesn't have to all color coordinate as much as you want it to it takes me out of it a little bit yeah there's other ways to do it and they do it with the film stock and like everything is like almost the same color but not quite right just beautifully done. Even with the costumes too, it always bothers me. You can tell like, oh, that person just took that shirt off a hanger. They've never worn that yeah. shirt in their fucking life. Yeah. Like, but this looks like the clothes that they wore. Yeah. It looks like, like it's all from Goodwill. Underwear mm-hmm. and like uh-huh. that. It really looks like the mom sewed those terrible yeah. dresses yeah. for them. And like, yeah, it just feels very lived in, very like textured and alive. But mm-hmm. to your point, Jack, not. It's amazing because Sofia Coppola's sense of design and taste and style is so like immaculate. Yeah. But it doesn't feel like hyper fixated on perfectionistic, like, you know, clean. It's like you can sense they've cooked in that kitchen. Mm -hmm. Like the carpet on the stairs is like kind of gross. Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. And that I think adds to, again, the reality of the of the film, which Mm -hmm. is interesting because it feels both so real and so dreamy. Yes. Yeah. 
it's not style over substance. Everything is like from yeah. story and from mm-hmm, character. Mm-hmm. It's not something that's like put on. It comes from it. Yeah. Well, and you can just see, it's so funny that you say it's not style over substance because it's stolen. Its look is stolen oh, yeah. so much now that mm. is for things to just be style. Totally, <laughs> totally. Like, I feel like this, like you said with Seven, is so like you just see in every fucking show now that's like about teenagers like you can just see they're trying to steal from right. Yeah. Right. this movie but no one captures no. it yeah. yeah 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 it's like too overdone yeah yeah the boys are like really starting to try to figure out what's going on they start watching them through a telescope and they see that luck starts bringing home guys and having sex with them oh, right, on, and the, on roof, the roof mm-hmm. yeah which yeah. this is really mysterious to me too yeah and it's mysterious in the book as well because they don't know how she's courting these guys how is she getting away with this for their parents? Mm-hmm. But like it's happening a lot. Mm-hmm. And they're older guys too. Yeah. And then they start to leave these little like Virgin Mary Car- cards yeah. on the boys' stuff with like little notes on them. Again, like using their material things to like express out into the world that they are, you know, uh, separated from. But it's also such a childlike thing to yeah. leave like, like, um, what is that called? Uh, Easter eggs. Yes. Yeah. Like, yeah, like, like Easter. Hidden. Totally. Yeah. Or when you're um, leaving clues mm-hmm. and the breadcrumbs for the boys. Mm-hmm. And there's a funny moment too. Sad moment, but kind of a funny moment too, where Kathleen Turner decides to make Lux burn all of her vinyl records. Oh, and she's awful. like, oh, I can't. Her I can't. acting in this is so Aerosmith. perfect when she like sort of falls down the stairs yeah. and then just like throwing a tantrum. Yeah, That's yeah, so yeah. perfect. And there's a funny side gag too after they like burn a couple of records like Kathleen Turner goes outside and like smoke wafts out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's really funny. And then we kind of get our, our final sequence where they leave a note for the boys that say at midnight come to the house we're going to like escape. Mm-hmm. And the boys are like, let's do it. Let's help these girls escape. Break the princess. Because they think they're in the love. Mm-hmm. There's these great sequences too where they imagine them going on trips with the girls yeah, and you're yeah, seeing all the sweet. photographs. And yeah, the boys are sweet. They actually do want to help, help these them. girls. Yeah, yeah. So the boys come over. They brought the car. And Lux answers the door and she's smoking a cigarette. About time. We've been waiting for you guys. We got a car. We got a full tank of gas. We'll take you anywhere you want to go. It's just a cougar, but it's got a pretty big trunk. Can I sit up front? Sure. Which one of you is going to sit up front next to me? Where are your parents? Asleep. What about your sisters? They're coming. Go on, it's getting late. Wait five minutes. We had to wait until my parents were asleep. They take forever. My mom's an insomniac. We better take our car, there's more room. Think you can handle a station wagon? Sure. It's not a stick, is it? No. Yeah, no problem. Will you let me steer? Sure. But maybe we should get out of here. I just heard something. It could be your mom. Come on in. She invites the boys inside and she's like, I'm going to go wait in the garage in the car. Mm. And the boys have this like really vivid um, fantasy of mm-hmm. like this funny shot of like the boys driving the car and they're all piled in, in the and they're like, yeah, they've yeah. escaped to this new life. But then it cuts back to reality and nobody's coming out. So the boys start to investigate and they go down into the basement 
and they find Therese. I think hanging. so. Yeah. yeah. Hanging. That's and they're like, oh shit. Right. And they run and they run through the kitchen and they trip over Mary who has like stuck oven. her head in the oven. <sighs> and we learn that another one of them has overdosed on pills, pills later. Upstairs, and the yeah. final one was Lux who went into the car, turned it on in the garage and asphyxiated herself with a cigarette hanging out the window. Also cool nerdy thing is that uh, hand with the cigarette out of the car. That's mm-hmm. Sophia's hand. Yeah. Oh. Like, I don't think um, Kirsten was available that day or something. So yeah. that's just Sophia's yeah. arm, which I kind of like. That's kind of cool. <laughs> that is cool. Yeah. And Kirsten Dunn said, like, because she didn't shoot that scene, she doesn't actually feel like Lux died, died. because she didn't actually get to do that. Yes. Part. Oh, I know. But even that moment where she opens the door for the guys and she, like, looks over her shoulder and she has a cigarette, it's like, it's something in her eyes. It's like, it's already over yeah. you know like it's fascinating it's like a sadness yeah. in her mm-hmm. it's like yeah it's just such a, a it's something ghostly, they've decided to a do a ghostly yeah. moment yeah and we don't get that moment with any of the other girls either Lux yeah. is really the only one that we kind of get to see the before and yeah. it's so eerie that she's not sad she's not it's almost like She's excited. She's she's this. There's a thrill to this this moment. Mm. In a way, you could think that her getting in the car is like she's getting ready to leave. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if she just opened that garage <sighs> door, like yeah. then they could get out. Uh-huh. Like they could leave. I mean, who knows what that would end up looking like? You know. Mm. But I remember the hanging moment still like really gave me nightmares. It's like, yeah. It's the sound. It's that creaking and seeing just the legs, Shoes. and you don't yeah. see her. Like we don't need to see her face. Like yeah. you know, and just the how it's shot and what we're like the fragmentation of it mm-hmm. is and what she's dressed in she's dressed like a little doll she's got like yeah. her little like uh what do you call the stockings yeah. and the dress yeah. and the shoes and it's like black it's, and white shoes yeah it's like yeah. so arresting very spooky and yeah the movie sort of wraps up in a montage where we see the lisbon parents move out oh my god yeah and they're the town doesn't know how to deal with it there's this really interesting but kind of weird sequence where the town throws like a debutante party that's asphyxiation themed mm. oh, right, this is in the book like too al- the, what is it like the, an algae green algae uh-huh. that's taken over they talk yes. about sort of this again because they're in detroit they're in michigan of in an infection something mm-hmm. that's infected and spreading and so they're wearing those gas masks yeah. that was like reminded me of the gas masks they wore on like world war yeah yeah one or yeah. something like from- it's a weird thing for a town to do <laughs> and the <laughs> this green- like creepy little ball masked ball that's like kind of also clearly referencing the girls in some mm-hmm. way too it's cool though uh, and he says we began the impossible process of trying to forget them it didn't matter in the end how old they had been or that they were girls but only that we had loved them and that they hadn't heard us calling still do not hear us calling them out of those rooms where they went to be alone for all time. And where we will never find the pieces to put them back together. Ugh, and there's this great shot of the boys like standing outside with like a lighter, mm-hmm. sort of saluting the girls. And, like, and th- sorry, it ends the floating, the camera up in the trees, yeah. which makes you yeah. feel like their spirits are mm-hmm. just yeah. going up. There's a very ethereal, haunted very nature fantasy. of yeah. this movie. Because we go up in the trees, I, I do feel like ultimately the end for me always felt hopeful mm-hmm. because yeah. it's as if we're watching, and forgive me, but I'm going to reference um, the uh, 1990, was it three version of Little Women? Um, mm. 
Julian Armstrong, if you will. Which also oh. starred Kirsten Dunst. Uh, oh my God, in- incredible. There's the scene where um, Beth is dying and Ugh. it's a storm outside and the window's open. And then um, Joe goes to the window and like there's all this wind and it's like uh, Beth's spirit like leaving. Mm-hmm. And then Joe shuts the window and she comes back and Beth is gone. And I don't know, there's something about how we end with the panning up and the movement in the trees. It feels like, yeah, the girls are up there, their spirits mm-hmm. are up there that feels ultimately like hopeful. Yeah. yeah. So it's, because oh, this that. could so easily be such a, you know, sentimental and like saccharine and like really melodramatic in a bad way. Like, but she, it just isn't. It's yeah. so. It's just so just unreal to me still. This yeah, movie. I saw I I looked at some some criticism of the movie. It was pretty well regarded when it came out critically. But there were some people who felt really torn by that tone mm. that like that it wasn't damning these girls or that it wasn't giving an explanation that there was sort of a weird hopefulness to a movie that ends in, you know, five so girls having yeah. committing suicide. But yeah, I agree. I mean, I think there's, I think the movie is more nuanced than that. It's not necessarily a morality tale. It's more of a, an exploration of emotions and mm-hmm. grief and processing and how and boyhood. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it, romanticizing and imagining. Yeah. It has so much more on its mind than being like, isn't this is so Is this sad? good or bad? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. So I agree. Beautiful film. Beautiful. So film. stunning. Let's take one more break. When we come back, we'll get final thoughts. On the Virgin Suicides. Hi, this is Paige from Giggly Squad, and I want to talk to you about Splash Refresher and my water intake. Okay, so you guys obviously know that I'm a hydrated girly, but sometimes when you drink that much water, it starts to just taste bland, and you're just like, I need something to spice it up. That's why I love Splash Refresher. It has zero sugar, zero calories, and it's a splash of sweetness. And they come in five different flavors. They're so good. Wild berry, acai grape, pineapple mango, lemon, and mandarin orange. My favorite is the wild berry because I just just love a berry. So if you're like me and you're drinking water all day, then try Splash Refresher. It's going to absolutely change your water game, and it's good for you. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com Welcome back to Cinema Possess, and we are talking final thoughts on 1999's The Virgin Suicides. And Corey, I'm going to kick it off with you. 
What are your final thoughts now that we've talked through the film, you rewatched it? What did you think? I mean, it's kind of just reiterating everything that I've said that I feel like this movie taps into something. I mean, looking at it through my lens as a woman, it taps into a type of girlhood that I think not many movies can do. And it still gives me such a nostalgic feeling, a melancholy feeling. It's so inspiring, too. Like, the look of this movie has obviously inspired so much TV and film that's made today. The performances, the casting of this movie Mm. is just so spot on. The music. Mm -hmm. I mean, I just can't reiterate enough that, like, the beginning the beginning notes of that song at, of this movie is just it trans just transports you mm. to another time mm-hmm. to the 70s but also to your childhood yeah. and girlhood and coming of age and i just uh, i love this movie highly highly recommend it's a plus for old Corey. such a smart move to tap into the french music scene of the late 90s yeah. with air you mm. know uh, so many great Daft Punk's Thomas Bangalter was making great music yeah. for movies back then, too. Obviously, she would later on go on to work with Phoenix for her future films, and I think Mary, the lead singer of Phoenix. But mm. the French music scene at this time was real good. Ugh. Also, it's like never a bad idea to pluck a real rock and roll band or artist to do the score for your movie. Oh, it's so smart. It like always yeah. works out. Yeah. It's like yeah. Johnny Greenwood, Trent Reznor. I was say Trent Reznor, yeah. yeah. Karen O has done music for movies that's great. It's like just give them free range. Yeah, yeah give them yeah. freedom. Yeah. Just go find the band you like and say, hey, score my movie. <laughs> so good. It's so good. It's so good. Uh Jesse, final thoughts. How is this rewatch for you? I mean, I just like it's one of my favorite movies mm-hmm. of all time. And I think it, it, it's hard to it, describe the feeling that it puts you in, like that dream state, like this strange torpor. Um, I felt also I was reminded so much of Picnic at Hanging Rock, which mm, is another mm. one of my favorite films. There is almost this like romantic gothic quality in all the stuff in their lace and their fabrics and the way it's shot. And but yeah, it's just like a perfect film because of the balance of yeah, the acting, the music, the script is really great. Mm-hmm. And um And even the use of voiceover, which I think can be torpedo a film. Like, I think bad voiceover is so bad. But like, (laughs) this is because it feels like a diary entry. It feels like a memory. And it's used, I think, just so perfectly. Mm -hmm. Um, So it just for me really is like a perfect film. And it's really it really inspired me that it was made by a young woman and that it was about young women and I felt this too with like Jane Campion's early short films that she made from like uh, her film school days Mm -hmm. Uh, was that girl in her room or something Um, but like it's about it it feels like it comes from a place of authorship that's very grounded and it's like there's so much care and there's so much uh, attention to detail and it comes from a place of truth not a place of trying to be something else. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just feel like it is still one of my favorite films of all time. And like for this to be your first movie makes me feel insane. Like, yeah. like I just like still like, oh my God. And because it was her first movie too, it's so, I think you can feel the heartfeltness of it and that it's not being, um, 
It's like, like it's not being controlled by a studio and like someone's be like, no, you can't do that. Like it has a pure, it has a purity to totally. it. Yeah. And, and that is so something I want to protect mm-hmm. and even going into like making more things. It's like, oh, keep remembering like the joy and the purity of when you first made your first thing and people, you're not listening to what people say is possible or isn't possible. Mm-hmm. You know, she just, you could tell she had to make this film and it it had to come from her and no one else could do it. And um, yeah, I just love it. I love this movie so much. Yeah, I agree. Every time I watch it, I am more and more impressed just at how it's, it's just like five-star filmmaking. Yeah. For a first timer, it's insanely impressive. And it's an adaptation too. And yeah. There's this conversation going on right now about Barbie and whether it should be considered an adaptation or not. And my whole thing is, is like a great adaptation is such an achievement. You know, the way she was able to take somebody else's work and replicate it in a way that feels so personal mm-hmm, to her, mm-hmm. you know, like she was able to adapt it in a way that felt like it came from her soul as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. That's such a grand achievement, and I think this movie should go on the top of the list of of great adaptations from from book to film. Completely, absolutely. And um, also, when I watch it, it just brings me back. Like I'm really uh, stunned at how much this movie feels like my teenage years. Mm-hmm. Even though I didn't grow up at all like Sofia Coppola, I didn't grow up at all like the characters in this movie, and yet so much about it feels like what I felt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. in my teenage years. And that's a testament to Sofia Coppola because the book didn't necessarily do that for me. I yeah. found the book to be very interesting listening to it, but I wasn't feeling this, the nostalgic feelings that yeah. I was when I was watching the movie. Um, and that's really impressive to me. And that's what I think I'm going to come back to this movie for is returning to my youth a little bit. Mm. It has something that does that. And so there's no fucking way that I'm going to get rid of this DVD. It's <laughs> the best it. version of it that you can get. So I'm not even going to upgrade it. I have the best physical media release of this film. And I'm keeping it on the shelf. Do it. Do Not it. throwing it away, folks. <laughs> I also was thinking that the thing that it captures too is the Romeo and Juliet I wrote aspect. that in my notes, like, yes. Like the devastation Ugh. and like, if I can't have this life, mm-hmm. I will end this life. Yes. You know, yeah. and like that uh, the stakes right. are really when you're a teen and a young person, they are life and death and it's mm-hmm. not funny. It's Absolutely. real. And yeah. that is what she really gives voice to in this. Movie. That's why I think that's what taps into the the real feeling of like being a teenager mm. so much to me. Cause I've wrote a paper about this in college about how I think Romeo and Juliet is actually like the most realistic version of what would have happened mm-hmm. in the time. Mm-hmm. Because as a teenage girl, like I mean, the way I we talked about this at the beginning, the way I felt about Josh Hartnett, I can still feel viscerally in my body. Crazy. That's what so you feel I for me. Had, yeah, <laughs> if I had, of course, of course, exactly the same. But if at, you're just saying your vows. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> at 13 or 14, I would have had a tangible, like real person like that who was saying those things back to me mm-hmm, or whatever. Mm-hmm. 100% I would have Julieted this life, yes, you know? Yeah, like, yeah. I... That's I just love that you brought that up because I think it's just that there is something so strong about like you don't know what it's like to be a 13 year old girl. Mm -hmm. Like the feelings you feel are so strong. Totally. Yes. And it all feels like life or death. And there's mystery. Mm -hmm. Like we don't know what where these all these feelings come from. Mm -hmm. It's great. Beautiful film. So good. Well, now that we said everything there is to say about 
The Virgin Suicides. What do you say we play? Like a virgin oh my. quiz. Movies about virgins. <laughs> what? Like a virgin quiz. That's right, folks. It's the Like a Virgin quiz. We play a game at the end of but every I was like, episode is this that a Jack game? creates. You always play <laughs> no. this game. So no, Jack it's always a different. One it's like, every wow, movie. We start with giving yourself a blowjob. We end with Virgin. <laughs> <laughs> it's quite interesting. Uh, full circle. The Virgin Suicides is not the only film that deals in undefiled characters. Can you name these other celibacy starring films? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Okay. Okay, so basically, I'm going to read you a description of a movie. Okay. You got to call out what the movie is. Call your name first. So it's kind of like uh, uh, Jeopardy. Okay. Oh, my God. <laughs> well. Okay, here we I'm go. I'm usually terrible. I was like, these, I don't so. think it's going to go well. So. <laughs> I'll start with an easy one. Maybe they get a little harder. Question number one. In this recent satirical comedy, two unpopular friends start a high school fight club to meet girls and lose Bottoms. their virginity. Oh, yeah. Points for Jesse. Nice. Say your name first, just for so that everybody, so you can. <laughs> oh, oh, sorry. Okay, I say my it's name. Okay. Okay. okay yeah. She this shouldn't my, get any points because she actually didn't um, play right. <laughs> this is my first time playing this game, and I think I'm doing really well. So. <laughs> All right, one zero. Jesse's lead. Question number two. In this '80s horror comedy, a teenage nice guy determined to lose his virginity encounters a centuries-old vampire <sighs> who has kept her youthful look by drinking the blood of male virgins. It has is Jim Carrey the vampire? Yeah. Ugh, I don't know what. Well, it's he's, not the, vamp- he's not the vampire. Well, he, he's, he's the, the young. Well, he's boy. the teenage boy. It's a really fun movie. You should watch you it. You got this. You got it. I can't think of what it's called. Oh, oh you're so close. Cool. So I think boring. I should get a half a point. Yeah, I think a half a point. Says Jim Carrey. Okay, the movie is called Once Bitten. Oh, okay. I would I not have known that. Never would have guessed. It's that a fun time. Animation. You should give it a watch. I mean, sometime. I love <laughs> Jim Carrey's oeuvre. Yeah, and he's in high school. That's movie. Yeah, this was like one of his first films. Oh my God, I can't wait. Okay, (laughs) half a point for Corey, so it's one to half. (laughs) Jesse's still in the lead. Question number three. In this 2010 retelling of a classic novel, a clean-cut teenager lies to her friend about losing her virginity and soon becomes the center of gossip at her high school. Jesse, easy A. Ding, ding, ding! Oh, good one. Nicely done. Two points for Jesse. Question number four. In this 1960 classic, two devout Christian parents find a unique opportunity to get revenge when the men who murdered their virgin daughter unwittingly seek refuge in their farmhouse. Is this a horror movie? Some you might can call tell it. I don't watch it. <laughs> Some, Some might call it. it. I'll give you a hint. It is a Bergman film oh. from 1960. <sighs> Fuck. And as another hint is that the word virgin is in the title i don't know i don't bergman know. Movie. this is terrible <laughs> the virgin spring Ooh, i've never seen that bergman no, oh, me neither. Film it's very good marriage. and it inspired wes craven's first film last house on the left which oh. is essentially oh. a 70s remake of it of that yeah, i was yeah. thinking it was like spit on your grave or something yeah and then i think that then inspired mm, i spit on your yeah. grave but yeah they, they they um you know the rape revenge genre they say this was the movie that sort of like started mm, it. yeah oh. i usually skip that genre <laughs> <laughs> okay no points for that one jesse's still in the lead two to half <laughs> Okay, we don't have to keep repeating that. <laughs> Question number five. We win nothing at the end of this, so it's not a joke. True, true. 
Question number five in the Like a Virgin quiz. <laughs> in this 2009 horror comedy, oh, no. an attractive high schooler botches a satanic sacrifice after lying about being a virgin, and now she's possessed and hungry for men. Corey Jennifer's body? Ding, ding, ding. Okay. Jennifer's yeah. body. Well done. Okay. Catching up, but you're still a half a point away. <laughs> you're doing great. Thank you. Question number six. In this recent dark comedy, a middle-aged virgin embarks on a paranoid odyssey to return home and attend his mother's funeral. Corey, Bo is afraid. Ding, ding, ding. I have not seen that yet. It's a journey. That's what I heard. That's what I'll say. That's what I heard. Okay. Good job. So it's... Two and a half. Are you, is it two and a half or is it three and a half? No, it's two and a half. Two and a half. Two and a half, two and a half to two. Okay. <laughs> Final question. How many points is it well, worth? Well, it, it's only 55 worth... 55 It's only worth one point because whoever gets it right wins oh, the game. Oh, okay. All right. Nice. In this 90s cult classic, a teenage virgin... Mistakenly unleashes a trio of witches. Jesse, hocus pocus. Jesse wins. Oh, no. The like a virgin <laughs> quiz. Yes. Virgin with the black flame candle. <laughs> 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 He's a virgin. I just remember that is like I constantly telling everybody. That movie oh, so hard, so much. It was one of my sick movies. Like when I was sick, I'd watch it. Oh mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. God, I love this. Sisters, sisters. Sister. And once James starts to ride. <laughs> The vacuum cleaner. Yes. <laughs> and then, oh my God, Sarah Jessica Barker. And she's like, I'm back. I'm back. Come on, come on, come on. When I first moved to LA, A spider. Um, two friends of mine and I, we dressed up, we made our own costumes and we yeah. were the witches before like Hocus Pocus. Cause it's like very now, like in the zeitgeist, right. like and they a little bit remakes. before. Yes. But we, she, there used to be this nightclub in Hollywood called Dre's at oh the top God. of the W hotel. <gasps> how chic. And we, I don't know why, but we like went, I don't know how we found out about this, but we went to their costume contest. I brought an actual vacuum. Cause that's who I was. <laughs> I'll have to show you pictures. God, it was really good. Like did my hair up crazy. It was great. And you guys won. Right? We won oh like God. third place, which was like a five thousand dollar gift card to like go get bottle service at this club. Why? And we never used it. Which what? is insane. Corey, it's so weird. You didn't I know. Use bottle service at Clue? I think that would have gotten us like a bottle or something. <laughs> like yeah. insane. Would have gotten you like a bag of chips. Yeah, we had to like walk down a runway. It was very weird. I have like to that see is such like a this. weird they're good time yeah. and so from long. my memory too you guys kind of threw it together last minute too it wasn't like a big long no. setup. no for this and movie. I fucking carried a full heavy ass vacuum around Hollywood mm. commitment yeah. okay commitment okay. well Commit. now that we know that you love that movie so much maybe in October we can have you back on oh my god Hocus I would yes. come little children <laughs> I don't have that on DVD but I did have it on VHS maybe I can pull that out oh, oh my yeah. god the stuff of dreams <laughs> well Jesse it's been so great having you on the oh pod today oh Honor. Thank this is the most fun conversation. Me. I really, I love this movie so much. I love talking to you guys about it so much. And Same. Is there uh, any place people can find you? Oh my gosh. You know, on the World Wide Web? Yes. Um, IG is Bar Jesse. B A R R. That's right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, jessiebar.com is the site. Yeah. Hell yeah. Um, yeah. You, know. you can watch her feature film, Sophie Jones. It's 
talk about a yes. movie about grief and girlhood. Was very this inspired. honestly could be double paired. feature. Yeah. This could be a perfect double feature. That Why is... isn't it on the special features of the Criterion release? Really? <gasps> Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> but uh, truly is, is honestly is a, a perfect pairing. Well, I that is a huge honor. Thank you. Yeah. That's was definitely deeply inspired by uh Sophia's movie for sure and yeah part of my obsession with like gotta get the soundtrack out was because mm. the soundtrack is just mm-hmm. so iconic in her film and it just seems like for coming of na- coming of age movies like you gotta have yeah, that you have to if you're making a movie release, about teenagers you gotta you have must a to have that sonic and the fact that you world. made the effort to actually release the soundtrack but that's I think a dying art too like you just don't oh, yeah. no soundtracks are not a thing anymore to do it but I was like we're doing it Oh yeah. <laughs> no, thank that. you, Gardner Recordings. Uh, and was there a, was there an actual physical CD made of it? That's a great question. No, I don't think we have that. Well, but if you I, do, I would like to. I know a guy that. who could suck his own dick. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! What a callback! If you just want to throw that what on there, what a callback! <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. But uh, no, thank you guys. This was brilliant. Thank you. Yeah, thank so you. Fun. Well, that, my friends, is the show. Follow us on social media at Cinema Possessed Pod, where we announce next week's movie ahead of time. And if you want to get in touch with us, email us at cinemapossessedpod at gmail.com. And if you want to get even more possessed, head on over to patreon.com slash cinemapossessedpod and unlock the Cinema Possessed bonus materials. Those are our bi-monthly bonus episodes where we talk about way more than just what's in our collection. Plus, you'll get exclusive access to Patreon-only giveaways and community message boards. Do not forget to rate, review, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your pods. And as always, keep watching the movies you love. And and stay possessed! possessed. Woo! Later, virgins! (laughs) (laughs) Bye! Peace!